Welcome to the Cook Who Can't Eat podcast, where we're making food, family, and life a little easier, one bite at a time. Hello, my friend. I am so glad that you're here. Today's episode is going to be a little different. My daughter, Chloe, is joining me to give us her perspective on the one, two, three rule and bad guy and the other parenting after dark concepts that we've been talking about. She lived with these rules. She grew up with them. It's really interesting to hear her feedback and how it's affected different parts of her life. She's not super comfortable being on camera, though. So if you're joining us by video, it is going to look a little different today. It's just going to be a still image, but I am so glad that you're here. In case you didn't know or you missed those episodes, go back and check them out. Does a quick overview. Parenting After Dark actually started because of Chloe. COVID shutdown was her senior year. Instead of enjoying all the things, she was working a lot. She was coming home at midnight, 1 a.m., and she would come in and we would talk forever. It set off all sorts of bells and ahas in my head. I had been trying to parent and talk to her about things on my schedule. And really, I should have been trying to do it on her schedule. Once they're teenagers, nighttime is their schedule. (laughs) Because that's when they're done trying to do everything with their friends and their homework and everything else. The one, two, three rule was something we started in what, sixth or seventh grade for you? The idea is three layers of protection and support against bullying. They had to have one inside school activity with some kind of advisor or another teacher, one outside school activity, and one physical activity. The catch was that the outside of school activity could not be all kids from school. She didn't always like that I enforced the rule, but I think now she's grateful for it. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're learning as they're learning, and it's 2020, so we don't really know if this works or helps them until they've already gone through it. Chloe, being as wonderful as she is, agreed to come on and talk to us about exactly that, what worked and what didn't work for her. This is way, way outside her comfort zone, so I'm incredibly grateful for this. Chloe, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Chloe. (laughs) I am a college student, 21, a dancer in a sorority, and I have a job. I have outside friends, try to maintain a social life, and now have five dogs. (laughs) And my favorite color is green. There we go. Do you remember what you first thought of the whole, like, one, two, three rule? When I I thought it was annoying. (laughs) Why did you think it was annoying? (laughs) Because I thought I was so busy with dance already. I was like, how could you expect me to add another thing on my plate? (laughs) And then another thing on my plate. But so I think it was just the process of finding something to be a part of that was annoying. (laughs) That was it. Now, the good thing about the one, two, three was that because dance was not with your same people in school, it crossed off kind of the outside of school and physical thing. So that was good. And then what did you end up doing inside of school that you liked? Um, I can't remember junior high. High school, I just did different clubs. Like I was in the honor societies and then the, the link crew, which was welcoming freshmen into high school. And then I think I did photography club. I know you've shared with me that you actually were kind of grateful for and liked the one, two, three rule now that you can look back on it. What changed your mind about it being annoying to <laughs> really glad that I have this in place? 
Yeah, I was very grateful for it in some moments because like as you're growing up and learning more about yourself, the people around you and different kind of conflict styles and everything, it was honestly a blessing. If something was happening in my in-school group of friends, I could feel safe in a different group. It doesn't mean I just cut them off, but just kind of stepped away for a second, was able to still have fun and be a kid with like other friends and then go back as needed. But it was nice. So I didn't feel alone. That's the worst feeling is feeling alone. So Different groups in different places that didn't interact with each other? Yes. Kind of like different silos. <laughs> like different communities. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And there were a few times I even tried to mix and I was like, mm, no. <laughs> Since high school, is there anything from that that you've taken with you? I feel like I just kind of naturally look for it now that be in different communities. Like I said, I'm in school, I'm in a sorority. And then outside of school, I'm still doing dance, which is also my physical activity. <laughs> I am working. So I do have my coworkers that I also enjoy spending time with. So, so you still just naturally, kind of literally just naturally looking for those kind of groups now because I'm just so used to it. But I also realized how necessary it was. For me growing up, you were just friends with whoever was next door or on your street or yeah. in your class at school. If someone got mad at you at the end of the school day, you went home and you could kind of just live in your own like home cocoon with social media. You don't get that break. Mm -hmm. So have you seen other people experience this kind of stuff where they didn't have those safety nets in place? Yes and no, because I'm a part of the different communities. I can tell if someone's not because they're struggling a little bit more, okay. even just within their mental health. Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people that I've crossed paths with since learning about this role that really just stick with the same people throughout their life. And even if they've had conflict, because they have nowhere else to go, they just go back to what they're comfortable with, mm -hmm. which may or may not be crossing their own boundaries and stunting their own growth personally. I don't like feel sad for them because it might be what's best for them. I don't know what's best for them. I have seen them struggle a little bit more with mm -hmm. their mental health and even just growing as a friend, learning how to be a friend. I know when you started college, it was the 2020-21 school mm -hmm. year. Most of your dorm was empty because mm -hmm. all your classes were online, everything. I did everything online. Everything okay. was really online. All my friends had online classes. I didn't know a single person that had in-person classes. Oh, wow. So did yeah. this help you learn how to make friends when you were dropped in an environment where it wasn't obvious to make friends? Or at least from my perspective, I thought you really had to kind of stretch yourself and look for other places to find those connections mm -hmm. and friendships. I mean, 2020 was kind of difficult because everything was virtual. You know, there was only so much I could do. I was fortunate, though, to meet my friends that I'm still friends with now. I met through my roommate at the time. I was working and dancing all the time. So when I would come back to my dorm, new people would be in my dorm. And I would be like, oh, awesome. Like, <laughs> You also decided to go through Rush and the sorority stuff because even though a lot of it was online, you still were yeah. able to meet me. I just kind of naturally wanted to create a community for myself. I wanted to have my own identity. So I did decide to go through virtual recruitment which was difficult because it was it was hard to have conversations and have it feel genuine at times mm -hmm. because it's so easy to put on a facade over a screen. But I mean, I ended up in my sorority house and I love them and I've made the best friends there. Good. I was really fortunate with that. So I had my virtual sorority sisters and then I had my in-person dorm friends. Mm -hmm. And then I also had my dance friends. 2020 wasn't as much of a mental health or like 
community struggle for me because I just kind of naturally went toward those groups. To finding more than one. Yeah, because I think people who didn't realize that was an option, which is totally fine, but I think it made the pandemic easier on me because I had different groups still. Makes sense. So the real question that any of us parents ask, is that something that you will use for your kids? Yeah, probably. (laughs) When I have kids, I want them to create their own identities and find what they like. I think them trying to be involved in different areas would diversify them Mm -hmm. in their experiences. And I honestly think it helps people become a better person too. They know different walks of life than Mm -hmm. just what they're used to. Which is what something I think you just passed down to me, but, <laughs> but we're just very like, my brain goes there. I think that was one of the things that I saw in you the most was that as you were doing it and as you were forming these different groups of friends, you were <laughs> learning things that you would have never learned if you had just stayed in your original kind of like nucleus of friends. Yeah. I saw some of my friends' kids and I saw some of your friends really struggle when the shit hit the fan or somebody decided they hated them or there was some kind of drama and they didn't have that other group to go to. So they were just pressed and sad in scary, awful ways because this 24-7 world that you guys live in is, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. Yeah, I feel like if you're in just one solid, not even solid, just one group of people, if there's something going on and you feel like the world is against you and those are your only people, that's your only source of community and you're not really a community at the moment, who's going to support you? Who's Mm going to make you feel like it's okay? Like who's going to give you advice or even just be there there for you to vent to? There's not really room for that in that kind of situation. Mm Kind of gives you that you still matter even when another group is trying to tell you you don't. Yeah. I mentioned before about parenting after dark and how a lot of that was having conversations with you at midnight or 1am. You, your brother and I would sit on my bed and play Uno for like two hours in the middle of the night. But of course that was during COVID when days and times and hours didn't really seem to matter. I think some of those were some of our best conversations ever. I think after moving to college and just experiencing different situations Mm -hmm. that you would try to prepare me for, even if it was subconsciously preparing me for, like I would just kind of realize, oh, my mom was right. She wasn't just being annoying. (laughs) It made me, you know, miss you at college. So when I came home, I would try to just talk to you. I didn't have like a plan. A lot of it was when you were still in high school. I mean, you left for spring break that year and you never got to go back. So that whole spring and summer, we spent hours sitting on my bed with Evan. We had Uno cards in my side table. We just sat and we had fun and we talked and we chatted about different things. And I don't know, I always thought that somehow, for some reason, at that end of the day, nighttime, you felt more comfortable opening up. Yeah. (laughs) Your schoolwork was done. Work was done. You weren't going to be talking to your friends or you were done going out with them and all of that kind of stuff. You were kind of just more relaxed and home. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. We just vent. We just talk. What about the whole concept of using me as a bad guy 
I remember explaining this to you and you giggling like that and going, mom, you're so stupid. I giggle now because I did use you a lot. I still use you a lot, but it was also funny because I could get away with it. And my friends wouldn't be suspicious because like the people who did know you, they didn't think you were crazy, but they thought you were like on my butt. (laughs) So if I really just said, yeah, my mom like said no, they wouldn't really question it. So I would just, I just kind of felt comfortable to use you. It was nice to have that out though. Because if there's some situations I did not want to be in, I would just say I had to go home. And if they asked why, I'd be like, oh, my mom told me. I remember I'd be in the other room. You're like, come here, I need help. I'd come in. You're like, start yelling at me. Yeah. (laughs) And I would be at your bedroom door trying not to laugh as I was like yelling and screaming at you to get off the phone. (laughs) (laughs) But did it help you? Like, did it make you feel safe or more comfortable or like you had that kind of get out of jail free card without having to look like you were bailing or ditching or anything with your friends I always have a big heart I love my friends and I always try to give a lot I give a lot you do (laughs) so I hate saying no to people and I hate like disappointing people if I really really didn't want to do something (laughs) I still couldn't bring myself to just say I didn't want to do it. It did feel nice to have, you know, someone to blame mm-hmm. or someone for them to blame because I knew you wouldn't care if they blamed you, <laughs> but like I would care if they blamed me. So it did, it felt nice to have that kind of safety net. You know? I remember you using our family code a few times because you would be out and about and I'd have to call you and I'd start yelling at you or blowing up your phone with text messages so that they would bring you home. Yeah. I would just text you and be like, tell me no. that is true you were pretty good at blocking your phone so you would just text me i think in certain situations i would just say tell me no (laughs) like just just say the word no and then you would say no (laughs) so like oh yeah see (laughs) what about the no consequences no questions call i don't think i've used it yet you called and said i'm in a bad situation i need you to come get me no consequences, no question. Did that help you at all to know that like you had that as kind of an out where yeah, I mean, it would be I, safe? I guess it's a good support system. I mean, I haven't used it yet. So I think if I do need to use it, it would be very nice to have that because a lot of people don't have that. Yeah, I look forward to using it. <laughs> if we go back to the parenting after dark or those conversations that we would have sitting at my bed, did they change anything for you? Like for me, I know I started getting to know you as a person instead of just my daughter. Did your perspective on our family or me or our relationship, anything like that change for you? Yeah, it changed a lot. I feel like when I was home all the time, like it was very parent only, not a friend. I don't know. Correct. I feel like I would just be not judged, but like punished if I was going to be open about something that you didn't approve of. Okay. I think once I moved out and we had those conversations, I just kind of opened up and I think your responses weren't negative as I thought they would be. So it just kind of changed my perspective to be like, okay, she's mm-hmm. not just a parent. Like, also a human she's a person too yeah and sh- and helped know that you've been through similar situations when you were my age and everything so those conversations did help like kind of change my perspective to from parent to human <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense it does that's how they changed for me too you went from my daughter who I have to somehow teach all this stuff and get her to understand all these things to this human who is creating her own identity, her own person, her own world. And I was starting to meet her Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just, have you done your homework? Did you do your chores? But I think even when you come home now, there are still things I'm 
teaching you and showing you how to do, but the conversation has shifted because I think we've known each other as people and stuff, just parent child. Not very long ago, you were listening to me talk through some stuff with your younger brother. You piped up and was like, I had to do that too. You were really supporting some of the things that I was making him do. You and your brother are about seven years apart. When you were tween and teenage, you really thought that like I favored your brother as opposed to you. Now you're seeing <laughs> me do with him some of the things I had to do with you. Yeah. And I think lightning bolts are starting to go off. Yeah, I don't think I grasped the age difference. And I was like, well, why am I always having to do chores and stuff? <laughs> then the two-year-old like didn't have to. And I was like, well, why doesn't he have to? <laughs> I really don't think I grasped that. <laughs> now I do. And I think it is a very formative and crucial time. So I can kind of understand why you took those steps with me. And then now you're doing it with him too. It <laughs> takes me back to when I didn't really like it. And I think it's just kind of easy for me to vouch for it because it's helped me. And I was like, mm -hmm. she's not actually crazy. She <laughs> knows what she's talking about. I have heard you say that a few times as you and Evan are like walking upstairs. Like, I know she sounds crazy, but she's not. <laughs> Even your step-siblings, when I would say things or make them do things, and you'd be like, it's not crazy. She's right. Just do it. Yeah, but I pick my battles, but mm -hmm. but it's been nice hearing even just my stepbrother say like that he's glad he experienced those formative years with you there mm -hmm. because your kind of parenting is helpful, especially those roles. He's seen some of his own friends or even some family members that struggle with it. And it's nice to hear that he's appreciative of it. Same question as before. Any of this, the late night conversations or the being the bad guy the family code, the no consequences, no question call. Would you do any of that with your kids? Yeah, I would want my kids to feel comfortable talking about anything with me. Mm -hmm. I think parenting after dark, just kind of open and honest. I feel like something I want to carry on with my own family. In terms of bad guy family code, I think I would make my partner have that role because I like <laughs> to be liked. But if it, I mean, if it's me, it's not the end of the world. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yes, I would try no questions, no consequences. I'm nosy, so I really like to ask questions. <laughs> the so. only, I told you, the only question I would ever ask you is, are you okay? Yeah. And if I had to drive your friends home, I would have to ask for directions. But. Yeah, but I would, I would carry those on to my own family because they've been nice to have as a tool, mm -hmm. as a backup tool. With everything going on, well, even before that, I didn't care if your friends didn't like me or would get mad at me because what I cared about was my kid felt like she had an out or that she had a way to feel safe. That meant way more to me than any of your friends getting upset with me. I know you would joke about it. You'd be like, my friends want to come over because they want to ask you something. Do you think that being the bad guy helped that, really hurt that? I think it could have helped because they saw that I have someone supporting me and mm -hmm. had my back all the time. I still don't know why, but I mean, you do give good advice, so maybe you <laughs> just realized. <laughs> I am so proud of the person you are becoming. The fact that you've gone to college and you have actively seeked out four or five different friend groups because you didn't want to just be one thing or just be friends with what was easy. Mm -hmm. You wanted to be influenced and 
experienced so many different things Mm -hmm. and watching you become this person and work your way through that has been awe inspiring. Looking back when you were a teenager and a tween, is there something that you think, okay, I wish this could have happened or this was so valuable and such a big deal that I think every parent should do it? Yeah, I think it's just communicating that the door is always open for them. I don't think a child should ever feel unsafe to be open with a parent. I think no questions, no consequences. One, Mm -hmm. two, three rule, the family code, health, because it's like you have their back and they can be who they are, make their mistakes, but then you also love them and still parent them. Mm -hmm. I think just communicating that you're always going to be there, Mm -hmm. support them if they need help and they need it. That helped me. (laughs) Good. Chloe, thank you so much. I love you. And I appreciate you doing this. I know it's so far out of your comfort zone. Thank you for being here, my friend. Don't leave yet because next I'm going to show you how to make one of Chloe's favorite meals. My family's never been big on lasagna. However, they gobble up Chloe's favorite pasta. Start by heating a little oil in your pan and sauteing your onions and garlic until the onions are almost translucent and everything softened. Add your ground beef to the onions. Once that's browned, pour in your spaghetti sauce, add your seasonings, as well as the grated Parmesan cheese. Allow your sauce to simmer on low while your pasta's cooking. But before you drain it, always make sure you add some of the pasta water to your sauce. It's time to start layering before anything goes in the pan. I like to coat mine with a little bit of butter. This makes sure nothing sticks, but that pasta on the bottom will also soak up that butter and it's going to make a big difference when you go to reheat any leftovers. This dish can get really tall, so I'm actually using a deep lasagna pan. I stack it from bottom to top like this. One third of my rotini, provolone cheese, sour cream, one third of my sauce, Italian mixed cheese, one third of my noodles, mozzarella cheese, one third of the sauce, your remaining pasta, remaining sauce, and then top with an Italian mixed cheese and Parmesan. When I use a more shallow dish, I stack it from bottom to top like this. Half my rotini, then provolone cheese and sour cream, half the sauce, Italian cheese mix, the other half of my rotini, mozzarella cheese, the rest of my sauce, and then I top it off with the Italian cheese mix and Parmesan. Bake at 350 for about 30 minutes or until all the cheese is melted and bubbly. This can feel like a heavy meal, so I typically serve it with a salad and maybe some bread. There are a few ways to make this recipe a little more accessible, so I've included that recipe and those directions here as well. Accessibility matters. So the audio for every episode is available on your favorite podcast platform and in video with audio and closed captions on our YouTube channel. While you're there, be sure to subscribe because we have some amazing episodes coming up. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, my friend.